1: everybody watching welcome to the eighth LaFora talk show we are so excited today we are going to be um speaking to two new guests Joe and Alvin Joe and Alvin if you have any other um your cell phone or anything like if you want to turn it off I think there seems to be a little bit of interference in the line um We want to welcome everybody today. And um, we can't wait to hear the stories of Joe and Elvin. Both are two nurses who are already in the US. Elvin has been here for many years. Joe, not as many years, but um, that is going to be really interesting to hear two different perspectives. Um, my name is Tanya Friedman. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Kinetics USA. Um, and we are really excited to get started. And um, before we do, just a quick shout out to the LaFora admin team. Unfortunately, Paul, Jean, Yanni are really busy today, so won't be able to join us. Um, so it'll just be the three of us chatting. We'll miss them. And uh, we thank them for this opportunity because the purpose of the LaFora talk show is really. Just to help, um, there are many of you all over the world who are dreaming of coming to America. Some of you might have already found a sponsor and a petitioner and might be in the process. Some of you might have just passed the NPLEX exam or some might be preparing for the NPLEX exam. So wherever you are in the journey, this Lafora talk show is for you because coming to America can be one of the most exciting but also challenging experiences of your life. Um, And Elvin and Joe are so gracious and will have come here to share their story with you um, so that you can learn from their experiences and prepare yourself because knowledge is is power. Um, Okay, so Elvin and Joe, if you want to maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and um, before you came to america just a little bit of your background who would like to get started <laughs> don't all jump at once
0: <laughs> and again everybody
1: this is really just an informal chat this is not formal we intend to have fun here just conversation and um, as if we are sitting around in around the the fire chatting about experience that's really the purpose and just one thing before i forget also um please do not private message the guests because we don't want to overwhelm them if you have specific questions please put them into the chat and i'd be happy to ask that and we're really excited because we have a new segment which is called State stateside which is where the the guests are going to be talking about the state where they are working in mm-hmm you are tuning in now you know continue continue listening for the full um, talk show because towards the end they're going to tell us about the states okay maybe we'll start with alvin because he's been here the longest <laughs> we heard him last night in the teaser and alvin's been here 20 years like me so alvin do you want to tell us a little bit about your history and your background before we talk
2: about coming to america Sure, absolutely. Sure. So I business. Um, I started nursing school back in um, 1992. So I finished um, in 96. And at that time, the dean, who was a nun, asked me, why do you want to study nursing? And my answer then was like, well, I want to serve humanity. So looking back. No. For a 6 year old, that was a little pompous, but you know what? <laughs> that's exactly what I did. I, I served humanity. I served um, as a bedside nurse uh, before I became a leader. I was a bedside nurse for many years. Um, I was I worked in telemetry. I worked in critical care, and I enjoyed, you know, being a nurse and you know having that impact to to patients, to their families, to to my community, where I also volunteered in many different causes, um, especially you know serving the underserved um, population. Where know they don't have medical care so i volunteered my services as a nurse um, where you know i found that very very helpful in really um looking back to my to my journey where you know i wanted to serve and that's that's what i did and so um when i graduated um the h1a visa program um, just basically ended so there were no opportunities so um, the alumni of uh, my alma mater was where they were saying, you know, there's no hiring, there's no visa, so there's no need for you all to um, take the CGFNS and any other, you know, um, exams because there's no hiring. So I did, um, you know, decide to still, you know, pursue other opportunities uh, working. And at the same time, I thought, hmm, it's closed right now, but eventually it will open. And so I still pursued, um, you know, studying for the CGFNS before I became, you know, before I um, started working with a nurse. And that really helped me a lot because um, that preparation just, you know, made, made me more like um for what's to come. Like, um, when I know that um, when I start working, I will not have a lot of time um, to devote um, studying and reviewing for a test. But um, I was focusing more on, you know, what can I do now? What can I I do next? And then uh, what can I do in the future? So um, my journey to America started really when I, you know, passed the CGFNS back in 97. And then I started looking for Opportunities. It was actually um, I read in the Philippine Star. Actually, um, it was Attorney Garfinkel. He he was instrumental in that decision making because he um, gave me ideas. And you know, th- there's still um, opportunities out there, but um, things may evolve eventually. So that's what I did. I just kept on um, reading the news and keeping myself um, open and ready for for anything that's about to come. And so um, in ninety-nine um there were um talks about you know the US is open again. So that's you know that that became like a thing for me and that paved the way for me to to really apply. And actually um the process really started back in 97, 98, where you know there were lawyers who talked about opportunities for nurses who had H1A visas to transition into um um, being sponsored by their employers. So that kind of led to um, nurses um, being eligible for immigrant visa. And that um, was the EB3 um, job category, which I think um, most um, agencies and um, employers prefer now. So that's really how I came about. So right now, um, I'm a nurse leader. I'm a director of a cardiac ICU in a large um Um, hospital here in the DC, metro DC area and I look forward to answering your questions and sharing my experience too. Okay,
1: that's a really interesting story. Um, And I I think so many people will be able to resonate, Alvin, with what you're saying. Um, And for me, the main takeaway really is to keep yourself moving forward in the next steps. So even if there are delays, because we all know this is a long process, you've got to have patience. Mm -hmm. um but you know it really is keeping yourself moving forward so you took that cgfns exam Mm -hmm. Um, for those of us like me as well who've been in this for a long time remember when we had to take the cgfns and then the NTLEX. so um you know at least today nurses can just take the NTLEX exam Mm -hmm. and joe what was your experience like you've been here for for much shorter time uh, for me,
3: it's not as great as uh, what Alvin reason for being a nurse. For me, I became a nurse because it's one. So mostly that's the reason for all of us wants to go to the U.S. And honestly, I didn't know what I was going into. Um, I just go with the flow. So since my parents, my uncle, my aunties, all they want me to be a nurse, so... I just go along with it. But as a volunteer after my graduation, I fell in love with it.
1: Joe, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but your, your connection doesn't seem so, to be. Joe, I think I decided
3: I really wanted to be a nurse in the long run. Joe,
1: you, Unfortunately, so you, it's so hard. Joe, we seem to have some connection issue. Oh. I don't know why you're... Alvin, can you really oh, hear oh that? It seems to be kind of going in and out.
2: Um, yeah, he's breaking up a little bit.
1: Uh,
3: is it better now or still the same?
1: That's a little better. I, I think when you're moving around, maybe. So maybe... I know you're getting excited, but maybe try to use it. Because I think moving, it seems to to break up a little bit. Sorry to interrupt you. Continue. <laughs>
3: Please okay. continue. So...
1: Uh, mm-hmm. It was hard for me to find a work, especially when I went to
3: Manila. It took me more than a year for me to find a work as a regular uh, a staff nurse. Uh, it was the time for the volunteerism. So everyone was taking advantage of us, particularly for big hospitals. Um, when I, um, I ended up taking the NCLEX, after taking the NCLEX, that's the time they gave me a proper work. I worked in a hospital for five years. Um, it was tied up with a particular agency. Um, while I was working, it's like building up my experience for the U.S. Unfortunately, uh, retrogression did not really open. So uh, I ended up like doing something else. So it was hard for me for, this, for those five years because uh, I felt like my my sacrifices for working for five years was useless, honestly. So I went to a BPL company. I worked uh, there for more than... Uh, one year, I guess, one year. Uh, then after which, I decided I just wanted to get out of the Philippines. So I took a job in Singapore as a nurse. There I worked for five years. And uh, while working there, it was really tiring. Uh, Singapore is a really stressful place to work, uh, especially for like for the schedule. We have to work like six days a week. Uh, and uh, the weight of the work is quite hard, harder than back in the Philippines mostly for the bedside part. So it was taking a toll on me, both uh, stress and body. Uh, Within 2016, uh, I think one of my colleagues asked me, oh, one of my previous colleagues in my previous hospital (laughs) to join his agency. He said, yeah, okay, I'll give it a shot. So from then on, it took me uh, like two years plus, two years and six months before I passed the visa interview in Singapore. So I think God has a plan for me. So after that, um, three months after, or so two months after, I arrived here in the US on July 16,
1: 2019. Wow. Very interesting. So- and so the, the time that you've been in the U.S. is obviously much shorter than the time that Alvin's been here, and you've also had that experience of of working in another country. How is how is working in the U.S. different to working in Singapore?
3: Okay, uh, like I said earlier, Singapore is really stressful for me. I think it's because uh, the place where I work, or particular ward that I work. Um, like in my previous floor, I usually take care of patients who are bed bedbound, who are tricky patients, and uh, the stress for taking care of those kind of patients like uh, really burns you up. Like uh, most of the time, you'll be on your feet and doing bedside care, then after which you have to stay a few hours just to complete everything like documentations. It's mostly like in the Philippines, uh, but the bedside bedside care is much heavier. Mm-hmm. um here in the u.s it's so much easier <laughs> uh working here for one year i think my back uh was able to rest for one year <laughs> i didn't leave as much as patient <laughs> uh also the culture is quite different here uh people or their seniors are really uh, order, like really take care of you they won't put you down like back in the philippines or in singapore like they will uh, try to grill you in any way that you can just to build you up. Here it's like, they lift you up. It's like, okay, I'll teach you this. I'll, I'll do this for you next time. Uh, something like that. So it's really a different culture, honestly. So it's really a blessing for me to start my career here in the US, particularly in my place where it's really easy to start. And I think I was blessed with some of my uh, seniors and colleagues.
1: Um, and I could- that Alvin is nodding his head as you're talking. Yes, it seems you're agreeing hundred percent, Alvin. what is your experience yeah. similar to what Joe is? How was different? how is it how is it different working in the
2: Philippines compared to working in the US? Okay, so um my experience was similar to Joe actually. um, um the the work environment here is just very different, very supportive. And as long as you're open and willing to learn, I think, you know, people are inclined to teaching you and um, giving you the support and resources that you need so you're, you're successful. And a lot of hospitals here um, are accredited by Joint Commission, and so um, they d- we do have standards of care that are really the highest standards that I've seen, you know, in, in my whole career. And that kind of sets the tone for, for nurses to be, to be successful, to be autonomous. Into um, practice at a high level, um, the main thing that I have seen when I first arrived here is, you know, technology. It is it is a big thing, and um, many advanced therapies, devices, and equipment that really spells the the difference between uh, patient management in the Philippines and here. Um, let's say you know a patient came in with chest pain and has a strong cardiac history. Um, In the Philippines, you know, depending on how much, you know, the the patient can pay, um, that will shape, you know, the direction of treatment and care. Here it's very different. You expect your patient to have a full um, workup, lots of labs, lots of tests, lots of procedures. Um, So as a nurse, you you just have to be ready and anticipate that, you know, your patient will be going through all those procedures. And um, also treatment is driven by evidence-based practice. Um, and guidelines that are, um, you know, stemming from the American Heart Association, the American um, Cardiology um, Association. And the patient will likely get an angiogram. And if, you know, the heart needs more support, you expect your patient to end up with a balloon pump or an impella. And just um, the trajectory of care is just so different, so fast and so proactive because, um, you know, we really w- we really want to save lives here so um, that's really the goal of treatment and care here we make sure that you know every patient lives and that their their outcomes are good um, as far as nursing there's a lot of autonomy um, in in the united states you know in the philippines it's a very patriarchal society where you know your doctor will tell you these, these are my orders and you're going to follow them here it's different um, nurses are autonomous but at the same time, that's also, that comes with a lot of accountability in your practice. And, and when you come here, um, people will say, oh, you have a DSN and you have a nursing license. You pass the NCLEX. So they hold you to the highest um, level of your practice um, because, you know, the board of nursing, they have specific like, stipulations and expectations as to uh, patient care, expectations as to how you how you practice. So meaning... As a nurse, you are really accountable for, for your practice and for the care that your patient receives, and you are the trusted source of information and truth. So um, doctors will look up to you, um, patients and families will look up to you and look for that information that they need um, when they come to the hospital. Um, also, it's important you know, to, to really know your patient from your assessment findings, to your labs, to your medications, And to how your patient responded to the treatment. And the most important thing is communication, how you communicate your findings to your physicians, to your advanced practice providers, and when to escalate appropriately. And really, that's how I learned and sharpened my communication. Because back in the Philippines, you just basically follow what the doctors tell you. But here, you have that voice where you know, when you notice something, you, you speak and you do what is right by by saying something to your provider that, you know, I'm concerned that my patient is you know, having pain. Um, can we do something about this? And, you know, being truthful and doing things um, to advocate for your patient. Um, for example, you notice a blood pressure change or a change in mental status. It's very different here because when when you notice that, that's your duty to address that situation. So that you will know, like, why is that happening? Maybe it's a blood sugar issue. Maybe your patient is hypoxic. Maybe your patient is having a stroke. Um, Did you assess your patient? And what did you do with that information to make sure that your patient, you know, have the best outcome? So that's really the key differences in, in practice. Yeah.
1: Being an advocate. I think it's a
2: key word for your patient.
1: And that that is a big change for many nurses coming to the U.S., even if they've been nurses outside of the U.S.
0: for many, many years. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the U.S.A. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show.
1: When you come to the U.S., culture shock is, I mean, it's a well-documented fact. How were you affected by culture shock? Joe, what, what was it like for you when you came to America in the very beginning? What were the things that were Shocking, that really was a culture shock, because the first few months, it's very well documented, can be a roller coaster.
3: Okay, for me, uh, the first thing that really culture shocked me is how nice the people here are. Like, they're really welcoming and so nice, and they're unlike my patients back in Singapore or in the Philippines, where in they look at you like lower or something like below the food chain. Here, they really respect you. They really look at you like really highly. And one more thing is, one one thing I had a problem is with the accent. I didn't know that different states, particularly in the U.S., have different accents, especially the older guys. They have a thick accent, especially here in Kentucky. They have a different accent. It's really hard to understand, especially if they're using their form of slangs. So it was one of the struggles for me. Another culture shock for me was if I'm... If I was in the Philippines, I'll be shocked with some of the things like how a nurse uh, should act. Like what Alvin said, you have more power, like you have more say. If I wanted, uh, if there's something wrong with my patient, normally in the Philippines, you have to call the doctor. Here, you're the one doing most of the things first. Like you, have, you can do like a few blood tests. You can order those things. You can um, ask them to do, uh, give you some of the basic medications. just to help. You don't really have to be dependent on your particular doctor. Um, So, and gadget-wise, working in Singapore, honestly, as comparing to my workplace here, gadget-wise, I think from my previous work, I had more, more, like, upgraded things. Uh, I think most of my colleagues who work in Singapore or in Abu Dhabi, they say the same thing. So, it's not like what most of us expect, like what we watch in TV, like Grey's Anatomy or Doctor House or something. So... uh, for advice, don't be like, don't have your expectation too high because sometimes it's not really what it seems.
1: <laughs> what do you mean it's not really what it is? You, you mean in terms of the technology? What what, what specifically, Joe?
3: Oh, because, uh, like, for me, when I looking at the US on based on TV shows I mm-hmm. expect everything like every all those gadgets will be available in any particular hospital here uh, every supply will be available I won't have any problem on this like the things I'm having problem back in the Philippines
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, fortunately some of them are still like haunting you even if you're in the US <laughs> uh, but we have more gadgets here but as compared back in the Philippines uh, but mm-hmm. if I'm comparing it to Singapore or uh, like other Places, it's, I think it's particularly for these particular places. So it really depends.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, I, can, I can relate to that, uh, to what Joe said about, um, you know, your expectations. I think um, what we see on TV and social media, what we read in books, it's really the ideal, um, you know, um, framework of how things look like. But really, that's a very limited. Um, View of um, what truly happens in the day-to-day life, because everywhere you go, it's going to be there's going to be some challenges. It's not going to be perfect. So I think my best advice is to you know manage manage down your expectations and be open to learning things, seeing things from from another point of view, where um, you know you come to a place and you're really going to be shocked of what you will find. Um, when I first came here. Um, there was a lot of stereotyping. Um, I worked in Florida where there were not a lot of um, Filipino nurses there. There were a few, but there's a lot of stereotyping. So um, because I was new, nobody really knew who I was and what I can do. So it's really up to you and how you want people to perceive you. And um, generally people want just want to get to know you. But until then... You kind of have to prove yourself because there's this impression of international nurses being shy, you know, being subservient, and um, not so good communicators. Because again, you know, our our first language is not English. Um, we have accents when you first come here, and so that that can be a barrier. So how I address that, you know, I I had to take you know stops, you know, introducing myself first, you know, when I first. In a patient's room, or when I first see a provider, I introduce myself. My name is Alvin. I'm I'm your nurse today. Um, how was your night? You know how? Um, what is the plan of care for today? What are we doing for our patient today? So that kind of opens up a, a conversation instead of you just waiting to be told what to do. You basically initiate um, the conversation and start that so that people um, will say, "Oh." He's um he's different. He's something that, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe he can help me, you know. So that kind of creates like a positive impression of you instead of um that typical stereotype of an international nurse just coming to America. And like I said earlier also, um people here um communicate directly. So that's so, so crucial because um in, in the Philippines, we're used to to being shy, we're used to being told, you know, what to do next. Um, and how to do it, but here, um, let's say you have an issue with someone. It's so so important to talk to them directly and address that particular issue or situation you're encountering. For you know, in the Philippines, you would just you know keep quiet and not say anything. Here, that is not that's not going to work because um, having open communication is so important because you need to know why the person was upset with you. And you have to be able to li- to learn to listen and not interrupt when, you know, when they're talking, when they're saying something to you so that, you know, you can acknowledge those concerns and say, you know, how can we make it better and how can we do this moving forward so that it creates an atmosphere more like positive, more empowering and more helpful to both of you so that you can take care of patients better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I think really what you're both saying is that the expectations might be very different to the reality, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's going to come up to you to actually make that effort.
2: Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, best effort, you, you do your best um, no matter what the circumstances are. Um, sometimes um, you will be faced with difficult, you know, challenges with patients and their families and with providers and it's really up to you and how you will shape that because your impression of them and their impression of you um, creates all that stereotype and all those communication and other barriers that you may you may experience. Yeah. So you drive that, you know.
1: driving it that's a good way of putting it you're the one who's in the driver's seat if i said we have a lot of people that are watching today if anybody has specific questions for alvin joe please put them into the chat and i would be happy to ask the questions um alvin and joe in terms of the culture shock can you talk a little bit about what you wish you knew before you came here, you know, maybe it's the the kind of the communication side, but maybe it's like practical stuff, um, like how much money to bring or, um, you know, how the school system works or, um, you know, things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that that piece of it?
3: Oh, for me, okay, uh, for me, um, culture shock wise, I think work wise, um, some of the patients. I'm not used to having these kind of patients here, particularly those who have problems with uh, like um, medications like pill-seeking or addiction to pills. It's not a thing back in the Philippines or in Singapore elsewhere. Here is like it's really a rampat, So it's really a culture shock for me. And sometimes um, I'm too naive to know that there's such a thing. And I kind of learned how to deal with these kind of patients after a few months um, dealing with them. And I think other problems here also wish I knew, I think expenses-wise. Because when I started, I took my salary for this particular rate. I thought it was good, like really good, as compared based on my salary back in Singapore. But I didn't know that there were taxes. There were like, you have to pay insurance. Uh, you have to select insurance. You have to pay a lot of things here, like for your car, uh, for your
2: other um,
1: Joe, so I'm so sorry to interrupt you again, but you seem to be breaking up. I know, I know it's hard, All but right. if you can maybe just try sit a little still, because I think that's interfering with your sorry. network. And we, you're saying such great things. I don't want anyone to miss it. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. So,
3: there's, so, budget-wise, was really a struggle for me. So I was thinking I would be able to say more here, but. Because of the, some of the things that you need to spend regularly, insurance, like I said, insurance, the car, um, the taxes and everything. So it ended up just so-so, similar or a little bit lower back in, from what I was earning in Singapore. So it was a, something for me to, I wish I knew about it, uh, especially when I was being given the offer. So I sh- should. you should aim something higher, definitely. Do your research best try really to find out what's the minimum amount here um information is really a key for you to get a better edge on per up on a particular deal that's yeah.
0: so it
2: yeah i think yeah, that's, that's, that's a it. very <laughs> consideration i think finances that's the biggest thing also because um when i left the philippines you know i was very young i was like early 20s so um, not a lot of financial, um, you're not very concerned about that because when you're young, you just want to make money, you want to spend it. Um, so I think it's, imp- it's important to know that, you know, at the end of the day, you, you are going to be responsible for, for your own expenses. So you have to budget um, money for your living expenses, your rent, your electricity, your insurance, your car payments if you have a car. So that, those are considerations that, you know, I think you need to know when you move to a particular country. There are um, states where they have a very good um, transportation system, public, transport- public transportation system, where others, you need a car. So when I was in Florida, I needed a car, um, you know. Um, so that was an important consideration. So the nurses that followed me after that, you know, they... they um, the agency basically housed them close to the hospital um, so that they could ride their bike. Um, because at that time, it was just not practical to buy a car immediately, especially when you're starting. Um, I think a lot of nurses, you know, they they see, you know, the flashy cars and everything, and they're so inclined to to do that. But I think it's important to, to look beyond, you know, the material things and look at, you know, what do I need right now? Do I need to pay loans that I maybe I borrowed from parents and um allocate you know a portion of your salary to pay pay back and then see what is practical for you right now like do I really need the car right now maybe I can ride the bus that would help maybe I can take the train or I can ride my bike and then save money and then after six months you know you have enough um down payment so then your um um, your insurance is not high. You paid a good chunk of that down payment to, um, to that loan that you're gonna take. And I think you know, just financial management, I think that's an important piece where you know you're totally responsible for, for what you make and what you spend. And then you kind of make create a budget on how you're gonna live day to day based on what you earn. And what you can potentially make, so then that opens up um, a lot of um, opportunities for you. Maybe I'll pick up a shift, and this will make my living expenses a little more, you know, tenable. Yeah, those things I think. Um, if I had known that early, then you know. Um, thankfully, you know, there were, there were a couple nurses who mentored me who were Filipino nurses as well. Um, they gave me tips on how they, they did it. And so I did follow that advice. And that was so, so helpful. Uh, being financially wise and um, spending your money wisely. So important. Um, because you'll see a lot of things there to buy. But um, at the end of the day, you're responsible for, for those payments that you will make if um, you go into debt, into you know. So yeah.
1: Yeah, re- really good advice from both of you. And I think mm-hmm. for many nurses, it takes such a long time to come to America and it's such a struggle. And it's mm-hmm. so many sacrifices that with a lot of nurses, that if they don't know and aren't advised by those that have come before them, like what we're doing on the LaFora mm-hmm. talk show, what mm-hmm. often happens is they come here and they just have stars in their eyes and don't really realize <laughs> um, how important it is to understand things financially and put themselves under a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And then what I've seen with many nurses also, they feel very embarrassed about that. You know, because they they didn't know what they didn't know. So they get themselves into a a difficult situation because they, you know, went out and bought a car right away or bought two cars or, you know, just just rushed into things and, and not really taking the time to understand things financially. And as Joe said, also is to do your research. Make sure that you understand where you're going to, what you're going to get paid, what the expenses are going to be. As Alvin said, the fact, you know budget. You need to you need to learn um, how things work in America and what you can expect to pay, because otherwise, it really puts enormous stress on you when you arrive.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Nursing in America. Part 2 will be available next week, so make sure you hit the follow button and come back to join us then. If you enjoyed the episode, please help us and leave a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses internationally. We offer direct hire, which means healthcare facilities will directly sponsor and hire you to work here in the USA. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com/application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. You can find the link in the show notes.